Nerd Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should, because I'm sick to this, this the, the real deal. And you know I got a shout out to Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? And welcome into this episode of the Buffalo Nerd, your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. Brought to you by SB Nation on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube and podcast network. I'm your host, Colt Schroeder. Uh, if this is your first time joining the show, thanks for being here. Uh, if you're already part of the Nerd Mafia, welcome home. As you can all see, I am joined this week by Mr. Matt Perino. Uh, he's writing, covers the bills for a multitude of different platforms. You guys probably know him mostly on the Shout Podcast, you know, giving you all the energy. Him and Ryan Talbot do a killer job over there. If you, for some reason, have never seen them on this planet, uh, go check it out. But Matt, how are you doing, sir? Bro, this is awesome. Like, uh, great uh, production value on the show. You got the rap. Now, is that you rapping oh, no. on the intro? Oh, no. Oh, okay, no. because that would have been absolutely next level. Um, it was really cool. It had a really good vibe to it. The you know the intro video was super cool. Man, I'm I'm hyped up to be on here. I apologize. I I haven't seen your show. I know Buffalo Rumblings, dude. You guys got so many great shows. Uh, I'm so glad uh, you sent me a DM. And how it works is it goes to that like secondary folder first, and then it kind of you got to kind of cycle through there. I got to be honest, sometimes in the offseason, I forget to check. I finally did. And I'm glad that I did because we connected and I'm, I'm able to come on here, man. This is this is exciting. You got me hyped up a little bit. Yeah, good. I'm glad you're hyped up. I'm super stoked to chat with you. I had Ryan on last year, so I've had the other half of your of your show. So now I got everybody on board. Uh, Matt and I were discussing a little bit before we got started here. We actually share the exact same birthday to the date, year, all that stuff. We haven't mapped it out to a time, you know, but we're not going to get that crazy with it. But anyways, <laughs> before we dive into all the football stuff, because Matt's about to disappear into football camp, the bills are coming hot and heavy this weekend. Everybody's excited. I know I'm pumped up. I know we've been dying for a long time. So before he gets in there, we're going to grab a bunch of knowledge, hang out for a little bit here, and have some fun. But before we do that, we do always like to uh, highlight a charity off the top, right? So, And as the guest, Matt does get to choose the charity we're going to highlight this week. So Matt chose the SPCA. So Matt, why don't you kind of let everybody know uh, why you chose them? Yeah, SPCA is super uh, near and dear to my family's heart. Uh, it's where... Uh, we got our first little doggy, Rocky. Uh, I think it's like 13, 14 years ago now. Um, he's been gone about two years. Um, but we, you know, it really changed our life. I was never a dog owner growing up. Uh, my parents, uh, you know, I think my dad was allergic. And so when we, um, it was at the SBCA and I just, I love rescues and my wife is, such an animal lover and has put me on to so much of the work that they do. And actually it's fitting that you, that you had me pick a, a charity because uh, my son is going to SPC a camp next week where he gets really? to be a vet veterinarian for a week. So it's super cool. Um, we're excited and yeah, giving support to them for all the work that they do. It's awesome. 
Yeah, I love it. And when you brought it up, I mean, I hearted immediately. I I'm a rescue owner myself of a you know of a bulldog that you know is near nice. and dear to my heart. So 100% love it. You know, everybody knows. I think the SPCA. It's been around a long time. Um, still a very cool organization. You know, there's you guys saw there on the video. If you go to your SPCA, that's actually the Erie County uh, SPCA. So you can help out there local to the Buffalo community if that's what you're looking to do. So. Now we got the good stuff out of the way. Let's talk about some football and let's have some fun because I really want to hit this off. I've asked everybody the past eight weeks, I think, about Jordan Poyer and what mm -hmm. they think is going to take place with him in this situation. So far, he's played it cool during the offseason. Uh, when I saw you sign with Drew, I got very nervous. Um, mm -hmm. But where are you at with the Poyer situation? You think he's going to be here long term, short term? What, what, what's your thoughts right now? It's really hard to tell. Um I think he did show a bit of his hand with the fact that he did show up for mandatory minicamp and was a full participant in practice. I think it's going to be more of the same. I don't think that, you know, unless things have taken a bad turn, there hasn't been any reports. And obviously Drew Rosenhaus, very, very plugged in with uh, the big players on the national stage. We haven't seen a report that comes out with any frustrations from their side of the camp. And listen, this when, when this first happened, one of the first things that came out, and I think Brandon Bean said this, shortly after two is they have a great relationship dating back years, the bean regime and, and Rosenhaus. So I think it's going to be a very um, professional negotiation. And I think it's fair for Jordan Poyer to want more money. I think he's played uh, above his contract and he's looking around the league and, you know, there's articles that are coming out calling him the top safety in the league, you know, depending on which league circles you talk to. I mean, he was a first team all pro last year. Um, so I think he wants to be paid like that. And he's looking at some of the, the people that are probably below him on lists and they're making, you know, 13, 14, $18 million. He's not going to get that high, but I just think he wants to be compensated more. I think he wants, you know, looking down the barrel of the, the last stretch of his prime, he probably wants um, some more guaranteed money. And, you know, the, the game is a tough game, right? Like you go out, you get injured. I think that there's probably a lot of confidence in the player camp that he can go out and replicate what he did a year ago, especially now with Von Miller on the line in front mm -hmm. of him. But you get injured and that completely takes the air out of your sails when you're about to hit free agency. So, you know, I think that there is potential momentum possibility to some type of deal that maybe extends him doesn't even maybe extend him a year, but maybe add a void year and up what he makes this year. So at least he's, on par with some of the other contemporaries at his position. Um, and then that allows him to hit the free agent market next year. If they can't come to terms on a long-term deal, um, or maybe they do figure out a way to make it palpable for the bills to fit a three, four year extension where the money is, you know, the guaranteed money number gets up there, maybe 25 to 30 million, but the, you know, the yearly hit doesn't hit as hard. And maybe they could push a lot of that pain down the road when, I mean, we're going to see a, a salary cap that absolutely balloons Colt over the next couple of years. So I don't think that that part of it's going to be as hard. I mean, the way Brandon Bean, you know, uh, worked this cap this year, I think the guy could probably work out any problems that he'll have for himself down the road, just the way that he, you know, puts together contracts and the kind of players that he goes out and gets um, how they do things on the offensive and defensive line. But yeah, it's one of the top storylines headed into camp. I'm excited to see if there's any uh, progress made there. Yeah. I mean, and uh, your first option is what I've been preaching for like eight weeks now. I think that's where we end up is it turns into, we just pay him this year, a good money, make him happy. And then next year we let him look around and honestly have to, because we might not be able to pay him, but we're also in the position now where a really good safety might want to come here. 
and not have to be paid as much as Jordan Poyer wants to because they mm-hmm. want to be part of this organization and what this team is doing. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I like both those options. And you wrote a piece here just that just came out that was talking about the cornerback room. And I don't know if you saw uh, the things floating around today that there's been some Bills members reaching out to Joe Hayden potentially mm-hmm. about trying to yeah. uh, fill up the room a little bit. Your topic was Tredavious White in the cornerback room, right? And uh, I think that this Jordan Poyer thing plays into that, right? You definitely don't want to potentially have Jordan Poyer out and Tredavious White. Like right. you, you immediately take a big step down, right? So I think mm-hmm. we're going to, everybody's going to try to avoid that. But the other, I think, kind of hot topic always for the Bills is the backfield, right? And we've got some interesting pieces again this year. We've been maintaining this kind of we we draft them, we stick with them, and, and we really kind of see if they work out, right? That That's kind of what we've been doing. Um, where are you at with these backs? Anybody that you think is just they don't really stand a chance or is there anybody that you're just 100% like they're going to stick no matter what outside of like Cook because he's going to be there like – Kind of like where are you on Moss on this situation? Is he is he in a dangerous place? Duke Johnson's probably just here for camp. Where are you? Yeah, you know, the funny thing about Duke Johnson is like I think that they really did sign him for a particular reason. And I I know that they got James Cook and it and if the draft fell that way. So it's always about filling out holes and then not having a draft for need. Uh, and now you end up with a very loaded room with a lot of different options. But I'm not really willing to I, – I think if I was you know, predicting or handicapping the running back competition, sure, Duke Johnson would probably be you know, the first guy that I'd say is going to be a, a cut candidate, right? Um, I think fitting all four of those guys on the roster might be tough. And I don't see a scenario where they release Zach Moss unless he's just completely ineffective in the game, in the preseason games. I just don't see it because he offers you um, – Here's the thing with Moss, and uh, I, I see the comment on the on the screen. He offers you flexibility in the 2023. Mm-hmm. Devin Singletary, he's a really good player, and he had a really good finish to the last season. I think he goes into this year's running back one, and he could go out here this year and blow it up again and and continue that momentum. But then what happens at the other end, Colt? You're gonna have to end up paying him seven, eight million dollars a year at minimum. For a guy going into a second contract, you know, a franchise tag for a running back, I think somewhere around $12 million. You're not going to do that. So you got Zach Moss. If you could kind of just continue to develop that player and if he could show enough this year, it gives you an option to pair with the athletic, the quick, the speedy, the receiving threat that is James Cook in 2023 and maybe potentially beyond. And I think what they do is they just – you know, keep kind of running the cycle, right? You know, you let Devin Singletary go, you let somebody else pay him uh, unless you know a deal works out where the money makes sense. And then you let Zach Moss go into year four, contract year for him, let him prove it, and then go do the thing again. Draft a running back in the third round. You know, start that cycle over again. You got James Cook, go for a different brand. Maybe go for that Devin Singletary, Zach Moss hybrid once again. I think they have a lot of options. I'm not willing to rule out Duke Johnson. And hey, listen, if any of these guys gets injured uh, in in preseason in training camp, that's going to make things really more interesting. And I think having this kind of depth, these kinds of options, uh, is good. The one thing I am kind of bummed that we won't see that was like kind of percolating for a couple uh, summers is the Chris the Christian Wade watch. Like right. it got annoying <clears throat> to a degree because some fans like I think blew up like what his actual potential could be. But he did have a couple explosive plays. I would have liked to have seen him in a couple more game situations, uh, but it looks like he's headed back towards the rugby field or pitch, whatever you call it. 
Yeah, yeah, got it. I mean, it's very. I I agree with you, you on this. I talked about it last week, and I said Zach Moss. I think is in a safe place. I think he's important to what we do. Uh, I think they I, they. I view the backfield as we are going to keep churning it. Right? There's no reason. New England did it for years. Like, what mm-hmm. great running back came out of New England? None. They were they had six of them that were good at different things. Right? And they just kept rotating them and using them when they needed them. And they would game plan them and they would use them. And I think that's what the Bills want to do. But Singletary did kind of look really good, right? So he might change what you have to do with him. But he might also just be like, hey, I'm cool being here, right? We are getting to that point where we're good at that. But I'm, I'm happy to kind of be in the same place with you on that. Where are you on the Taiwan Jones on this? Because uh, he's obviously special teams 100% is what he's all about. Is is this a year that you could see he doesn't make it? Yeah, because like I think we'll see it over the course of the next few weeks. Like who's running on the punt team? um in in practice who's getting some of those reps on the second team and if that could be a situation where you get into the games and you're math smiling and you develop the kind of confidence in in somebody that you know makes sense in that spot maybe it's a nick mcleod a fringe guy that you know can pay potentially make the roster and have some versatility uh on the roster on defense and then you know have a role on special teams you know somebody's got to really prove it though right because Taiwan Jones, he's one of the best gunners in the league. But that's that skill set's going to fall off at some point. He's he's getting older. He's in his thirties, and you know, selling out. I only know I know I know he only does it for a few plays a game. But you really have to have that long speed and that consistent speed, and that's something that I think they're going to be watching very closely over the next few uh, weeks and the next month to see if he could still do it at a high level. You already have Saran Neal, Neal, who's one of the best in the business. Um, I know he's a leader, but they got a lot of guys that are going to be stepping into bigger roles on special teams. Like Tyrell Dotson's a guy that they have Tyler Medikevich, you know, Jake Kumaro, if he makes the roster, this will be his third year on teams with them. So they have a lot of guys that have that potential. I know Andre Smith's got that early season suspension, but another guy that, you know, really, he's one of the core special teams guys on this team. They're they're starting to have some turnover with the the leadership aspect there, and that makes Taiwan Jones, I think, a little bit more expendable if they can find another gunner. Yeah, I mean, I I like that. I think that's that's a hundred hundred percent spot on right there. So, very cool. All right, so let's move on to that next room. You brought up Kumaro. I think that, you know, it's interesting because the kind of the piece that I like with Tywan Jones and I think they keep him around for is they've shown across the roster that they like experience, right? They like at least an older player kind of everywheres, right? They, it seems like they like it in all those positions. The running back room doesn't really have that. If you lose Taiwan or you lose Duke Johnson, you're talking about Devin Singletary is like your leader in the clubhouse with experience, mm-hmm. right? Wide receiver room, we've seen the last couple of years, they bring somebody in to make it happen everybody's pushing Gabe Davis again this year that this is the year, right? He's going to do it. It's going to break out. It's going to happen. Crowder gets brought in. Like what, what, who are you looking to see out of this wide receiver packet camp? Yeah. So I've talked quite a bit about this the last three weeks, because I think it's, it's really interesting. Like how the, the, the targets are kind of diced up last year and the year before the first two seasons, Gabriel Davis was in kind of like a utility role, right? Like whenever they could find looks for him, you know, he had to make the most of them. And and for the most part he did. And, you know, he was a big time touchdown producer in, in the first two years, obviously the last game he played was one of the best that a wide receivers ever played. It helps playing across uh, from Stefan Diggs. But beyond those two, I think that, that you're pretty set there. They like Jamison Crowder in that Cole Beasley role. That makes a lot of sense. And then Isaiah McKenzie and Khalil Shakir are the ones that are really intriguing to me. Does does McKenzie have the 
versatility and big play potential to maybe slot into the new version of Gabriel Davis, where you could kind of put him anywhere where somebody gets injured. You just put Isaiah McKenzie in there, or when somebody needs a blow, you can put him anywhere in the formation and, and maybe Ken Dorsey and um, Chad Hall and Joe Brady, who was a wide receivers coach at LSU who coached, you know, Justin Jefferson and, and Jamar chase. Maybe that they, they can even unlock Isaiah McKenzie's potential even more because I'm a big Isaiah McKenzie um, believer. I think that he has a little bit more even upside than what they've used him as the last two years when he's had those big breakout games. I think he can win on the outside too, if given this the chance. So if he if he slots into that role, then you have maybe Marcus Stevenson that can kind of go into the old Isaiah McKenzie role. And then Khalil Shakir could be that, you know, uh Isaiah Hodgins two years ago, Marquez Stevenson last year, where you kind of just string him along a little bit, unless he's ready. Maybe he comes out over the course of the training camp preseason and says, listen, everything I'm doing here, I'm ready. Maybe he makes some noise or a splash in the return game. We'll see that as well if he's going to be a factor there. But there's so much talent in the wide receiver room. I think it's going to be a real um it's going to be tough on him to earn a consistent role to where they can have him on the roster you know, every, every week, get him a, get him a Jersey. And it's interesting back in the spring, he had a little bit of an injury. He was dealing with his, I think it was his left leg that was taped up. He missed a couple of days of practice, nothing severe, but it reminds me of like Hodgins's rookie year when he had a couple of just was dinged up a couple of times. And then they got to the season and they just kind of put him on IR and, you know, you can kind of get a little bit, you know, creative with that process. And that could be something that maybe the bills want to try to do if, you know, or they just want to say, hey, we want him to keep practicing when he's ready to go. Maybe we can give a chance to come back halfway through the season or whatever it is, kind of like what they did with Stevenson last year. They've become really good at like protecting and hiding their rookie wide receivers on day three. Yeah, no, they're they're getting very good. I, I've been saying that the whole time that the signing of you know Shakir to me very much aligns with Gabe Davis, the way we brought him in, you know, high quality player, smaller school, was having a great season, you know, he just fits the mold. But it is a lot of that that this is just a really good football team across the top of the board now, right? So it's very difficult to get in this room and be there all season long. So one little nick up in the offseason can be all she wrote and you don't get another opportunity to be playing on this football team, you know, cause I thought the Crowder signing and I'll stand by it. And unless he makes me eat it, that it's going to be a crucial piece in how we, we function this season. Uh, I like his versatility. I like his build. I like his aggressiveness. I like what he's going to probably bring for us this off season. So I'm one note on that. about him. I think, you know, Ryan, my, my tag team partner, he's a big Crowder guy, right? He's been talking about this for months and I haven't really thought a lot about this until recently. I was thinking about unlocking Stefan Diggs in a lot of the ways that they did in 2020 when he was first here, some of the deep ball stuff that he was able mm -hmm. to do. He wasn't as effective down the field, but I also think that the decline of Cole Beasley, not only his production, but his role in the offense, I think that that allow teams to key in on digs a little bit more. I mean, if you remember in 2020, Cole Peasy was a second team all pro. Oh, yeah. And I know that was very controversial, but if James Crowder can, you know, even be 80, 85, 90% of that, that, that could potentially really help Stefan Diggs. So I, I think that that's, you know, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I, I'm pretty aligned with that thought process as well. Yeah. I think he's going to be more than that. Uh, I, I, I think that wow. he's, this is the opportunity he's been waiting for. He has not been on a good football team. And he has not played with this caliber of quarterback. Got to stay healthy. Another little guy. Yeah, That's my absolutely. concern. That's yep, my concern. Absolutely. absolutely. 
always going to be a problem, but I'm stoked for it this year. I think we've done some real nice things for depth. I know everybody questions where we are with our number two wide receiver and if we truly have one and what it's going to look like after that, but I'm pretty happy with where we are in that room right now. That's a, that's a wild take to me on the yeah, heels it, of that Chiefs game. And I know it was only one game, but the dude, like when he came back from COVID was awesome. Like yeah. Gabriel Davis down the stretch was really good. And if you talk about the touchdown production for his first two seasons, like match it up against any rookie uh, the last three years. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, those are the only guys that you're probably really putting over him the last couple of years. There's probably another few that I'm missing that you could sprinkle in. Um, I think he's po- poised for an absolute breakout season. I love that he's put on all this size. I think that he can be, you know, you talk about dynamic of the offense in that receiver room. If he can be a physical yards after the catch intermediate weapon now, you know, consistently and take that punishment week after week and teams got to kind of maybe shift a safety over to his side to deal with that after establishing that early in the season, good luck dealing with Stefan Diggs on the other side at that point. So yeah, I I, I think that um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch play out. Yeah, I, I think we've been missing that a little bit. And I, I would say that's kind of like the Eric Molds, right? Of of just being able to body everybody no matter what. You know, it's just just give it get it over here, Josh. I'll take care of the rest, right? You know, and that and that's that's where it's at. Awesome. Love it. So let's next hit this real quick. Uh, I'm curious. We got we got a new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator stays the same. Everybody appears to be pretty much back on the defense. We rotated the front line. It it looks better to me. You, do you anticipate a regression on either side of the ball this year, Matt? Um, hmm. no, only because I expect a huge jump from the defense, which seems weird. There was the number one defense in the league last year in the regular season, but I'm just, I'm talking about sack production, um, you know, tackles for a loss, like what they're able to do in the backfield, the way that they're going to get penetration, I think is going to maybe create more turnovers. I think one of my bold predictions, if I put out that piece here in the next couple of weeks, is that they're going to lead the league in turnovers this year. I think that, the, you know, Von Miller's addition really is just going to unleash that secondary. And like you talk about the things that they could do to disguise a defense. Can you imagine two times against Mac Jones, against Tua? Now, not only do you have to deal with this disguised coverage and a year five Tremaine Edmonds playing behind a better defensive line, but oh, by the way, you're going to have to deal with Ed Oliver in a contract year and one of the greatest pass rushers in the history of football. So I, I see a step forward for the defense and I don't, I don't see a regression for the offense only because I thought regular season last year, they didn't really play up to what I thought that they were going to be until later in the season. And so I don't anticipate any type of Jacksonville performances from this offense this year. With that said, the biggest question mark is how do things go? Do they hit the ground running with Ken Dorsey in um, the play callers chair chair? That's going to be interesting to watch. No, but I I don't see a regression on, on either side of the ball. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with the, the same thing. I, I, I know last year I, I agree with that. I like, felt like the first start of the season, we came out real hot, right? Like what you kind of anticipate because people don't really know what you're trying to do yet. Then when teams have a chance to kind of figure out, we saw a lull in the offense last year, right? Where things kind of struggled. We went from 30 some points down to like, Hey, we can barely do anything. And then it, it came back again, you know, when we decided to move some things around new offensive line guys this year, new offensive line coordinator back, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the offense again this season too. I don't think how you can think that it's going to be bad, even at the play calling suspect because Josh Allen's going to make plays, right? Mm-hmm. I still think that it's going to end up happening either way. 
All right. Next one I want to know is what position battle are you most pumped for at camp? It's a good question. Yeah, because you brought up Ed Oliver. I'm pretty intrigued by that interior to see because I know those boys want to eat. We got some yeah. we got some guys in there now that are exciting. Yeah, I, I want to see how it plays out. Like, you know, Daquan Jones, he kind of figures to be the starting one technique next to Ed Oliver, right? Like if you're looking at the contract and you know um how that thing shakes out. But man, the Jordan Phillips played a ton of snaps for them a couple of years ago. They they love his versatility. When he's on the field, he could swing to one. He could swing to three. He can even rush off the edge at times. So can Tim Settle. Go back and watch 2020 tape from Washington. I watched some of his highlights. Dude, that dude gets it moving off of oh, the yeah. edge sometimes. It's, it's really impressive to watch. But let me flip it over to the other side. It's something I wrote about in the offensive line piece to start the week. Um, you know, a lot of people are worried about Spencer Brown missing, you know, the the um, – uh, spring and now going into a very important year too. We've seen what have ha- what's happened in recent years when guys have dealt with injuries, Cody Ford being the most recent example, it's really set him back in his development. And so if that happens with Spencer Brown, luckily, if you're a bills fan, the bills went out and got a reliable swing tackle, you know, need it, you know, have it. If you need it starter and David Questenberry started 17 for the Titans last year, and they had a really good offensive line. Um, So I think that position battle, I think there might be one there to start with. And then also right guards interesting to me because you got Ryan Bates. I'd say most people have them in, you know, maybe erasable pen. If that's still a thing, there used to be a thing when I was in high school, there was erasable pens. Um, Because, you know, you want it to be kind of permanent, but you're not going to go put all your money or all your chips in the middle. I'm not done with Cody Ford yet, man. I'm not completely out on him. We were talking about this on a recent episode and I just think that everything is a line for him to have one more real true chance to make a run at a starting job, new offensive line coach that if he connects with him soon enough in Aaron Cromer, that could start, you know, maybe a shift. Maybe they find something in this game, whether it be on in the film room or out on the practice field that, you know, turns a light on, you know, in his brain. And, you know, it, it allows him to finally settle into one spot. He's never had that his entire career and he's healthy. And there's a lot going for him and it's a contract year and it's a, you know, play for your next contract kind of year. So I think that you're going to see the best version of Cody Ford coming up here over the next month and a half. And if you don't, you know, maybe you see the bills move on from him before the start of the season uh, and try to flip him for a draft pick. Cause now that you went out and got Greg Van Roten, man, you got a whole bunch of veteran uh, uh, experience on the interior as depth options. You know, you got uh, Ike Butker, who will probably be back at some point this season coming off the injury. And then Greg Mance, he could play all three interior positions. So I think the Bills did a pretty good job replacing the guys that they caught in John Feliciano and Daryl Williams. Uh, they got some young guys that I think could maybe make some noise in year two and Tommy Doyle year one. Luke Tenuta, man, I'm telling you, watch that guy out on the practice field. If you get out there to training camp, that dude is just an absolute tower. Love it. I uh, When I saw the signings in the offseason, especially when they brought in the second member of the Tennessee Titans last year, uh, I thought that was kind of writing on the wall of what, what they truly want to think about, right? They want to they be able to run the ball like the Titans and throw the ball like we do. Like, I mean, if you're if you're not going to like continue to try to progress, I mean, that's what you should try to be, like the best running game and the best passing game, right? If you can do both of them, you should be unstoppable, right? I mean, right. That, that, that I think that's how it naturally works out, but I love it. So 
Real quick here, as we're getting ready to kind of close up here, I want to get your kind of early, I mean, it's July 21st. We're getting ready to report to camp this weekend. Win total for the season for you, and where does this team finish? Finish in the playoffs? Just, yeah, is this a, is this a Super Bowl team for you? Is this a, we get to the AFC title for you? Just kind of your win total and what you think is going to take place as of July 21st. I mean, it's got to be a Super Bowl team, right? I mean, to sell out, to get to land Von Miller, knowing now the obstacles that the Bills face to get him, and even after they got him, there were second thoughts, and you know, it, it all seems very cozy and happy now. And he's got his contract, and everything seems good. But you know, I, I'm predicting 13 wins. Um, I think going on the road in the opener against a an offense that, you know. It's probably going to hit the ground running with Matthew Stafford with a full year to kind of prepare. You know, maybe they have a malaise. Maybe they have a little bit of a hangover and you're able to take advantage of that. But there's some tough games in that first stretch. I mean, Miami's better. Baltimore, you got Green Bay, you got Kansas City. That's a tough stretch to open the season. So I think, you know, 12, 13 wins. Uh, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I think Sean McDermott does a really nice job at getting them up to play each and every week. So I'm going 13 wins and I think you got to make it to the Super Bowl. I there's a lot of good teams in the AFC and, you know, it's looking better and better for Cleveland as the days go by here that Deshaun Watson is going to get probably half a season to, you know, get back into, and get into game shape and potentially make a run at a playoff spot. And then they become a contender in a absolutely stacked bowl of contenders. I mean, I think you got to consider the chiefs, you know, the, the Raiders, the chargers, all in the contender conversation right now, maybe we change things the first month of the season, but I think we're there. Baltimore is going to be tough. If Pittsburgh gets anything from their quarterback position, I think that's going to be interesting. Tennessee still got Mike Vrabel, still got Ryan Tannehill and, and Derek Henry. They're still going to probably be a factor. You know, there's a lot of good teams. I think I'm probably missing one or two that can be, uh, Oh, the Bengals, of course, the defending AFC champions. Um, no big deal. So yeah, it's a, it's it's going to be a murderer's row. Like once you yeah. get there, but I think that the goal this year for the Bills has to be take care of your business in the regular season. It's going to be tougher, play a lot better, you know, string of quarterbacks, but get that home field advantage, host an AFC title game, which actually they could have done if they would have beat the Chiefs, right. and, you know. But uh, that is what it is. I don't want to bring up old wounds for for all of you guys. Um, and then you know try to try to try to uh, make a run of the Super Bowl. It's got to be this year though, right? Because this is like the build. It, it, it started, you know, the Houston playoff game was like, what was it now? Three years ago. Yeah. And that was like the first real like w battle scars, right? That you got to, you kind of kind of pile those up before you really are ready to win in professional sports. I feel like team sports, like basketball and, and football, especially. And once you have enough of those, and now you, you take the Kansas city games, you take that Houston game when you're up 16 to nothing, You've been in spots where you 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 can learn from those situations, and now you should be in a position adding a guy like Von Miller, where you have that championship medal in those big moments. You have Josh Allen, who should be, you know, I mean, is are you picking anybody else for MVP this year? I'm not, and so yeah, it's got to be Super Bowl or bust this year. Yeah, I love, I'm in the same boat. I'm a little nervous about the way the season starts um, because you typically don't know what teams are going to try to do in the first couple of games of the season, and we're playing some tough teams in there that could give us – I, I just keep referencing – back to Pittsburgh last season, they were a terrible team and they, they took, they gave us trouble in week one and beat us. Right. And right. it changed everything. Right. So it, it, it I agree with you hundred percent. I'm right around 13 wins myself. 
All right. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Appreciate you coming on, Matt. Before we get out of here, you got anything coming up? You want everybody to read what's going on with you guys? I know you got the big thing going on tomorrow, right? So you got some stuff you want to shout out? Yes, I will shout out the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast live in person tomorrow night. Uh, We're at Resurgence Brewing Company. It's at 55 Chicago Street, downtown Buffalo. We're going to have an hour and a half live show. It's going to be our full training camp preview. We got WGR's Jeremy White coming on, Josh Reed, Channel 4 Sports Director, uh, John Scott from Spectrum, and the OG, the Bills Mafia, Don Del Reed is coming out. He's going to come in... uh, uh, class up the joint a little bit. We're going to try some beers. They're unveiling a new beer. Uh, it's a bill specific one. I think it might be Dion Dawkins uh, has a new one. Um, I don't have the full details on that, but that's why you got to come out. You got to check it out, get a couple uh, beverages in you. We'll, uh, we got a lot of people coming out. I've, I, I have at least 30 bills folks, whether it be on Twitter or other platforms that have hit me up. And so it's going to be a, a huge party right before the party gets started for the 2022 bill season. Love it. Absolutely. And make sure you guys are following Matt on everything else that he's up to. He writes a lot of good stuff, you know, over at New York Upstate, Syracuse.com. Like we can keep going and just keep naming things, but we could be here all night where he's writing everything. So appreciate you, Matt, coming on and spending some time with me before you are going to be not even allowed to hang out with your own family. So uh, I tr- truly appreciate that. Uh, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you guys do head over to yourspca.org if you can and check them out. That's for the Erie County SPCA. I do want to shout out all my friends of the show, the fantasyguru.com, DFS Army, and the draft dashboard guys over there. Uh, we've been having fun doing a lot of fantasy stuff all off season. Um, looking forward to the season. Super pumped, super excited, and I know everybody else is too. And it's been a great show. Thanks for coming on again, Matt. Appreciate you, man. Take care, and buddy. Of course, go Bills. It's about to make sure you leave a review and subscribe. So you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out.